1: I'm Bruce News Editor Matt Kierkegaard, and thanks to crime Malt, this is Beer as a Conversation, our weekly sit-down with the people shaping the beer industry, and through these conversations, we dig a little deeper into the business of beer and brewing. The Australian brewing landscape is evolving rapidly, and here we try and make sense of what is happening and better understand the issues shaping the industry. This week, we head across to Perth for another conversation that was meant to be in person, but had to be done by phone due to COVID-19 this time with Andy Skade from Lyon's Bevy Brewery. In this chat, we learn how Andy went from putting the caps on his dad's homebrew to making his own as a young art student before falling in love and deciding that a career in brewing was calling him. It's a fun chat that tracks the history of the modern craft beer movement, including topics like how can we engage people in beer and what craft means. It's one of those conversations that I genuinely wish I could have had over beer, And I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Andy Skade, welcome to Beer as a Conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, mate, we caught up very briefly last year at WABBA, the Western Australian Brewers Association, uh, when you guys had the uh, trade hub. But we haven't really talked about you and Bevy and some of the other things that are going on. So thank you very much for joining us. Although I'd imagine, given we're recording this at the height of the shutdowns, um, you might have a little bit of extra time on your hands. Is that a fair assumption? Uh, <laughs> well, there's a little bit of working from home at the moment because
0: the, the pub is shut. But um, most of my weeks now, I've been redeployed down to Little Creatures, down to the packaging line.
1: Now, now you've worked at Little Creatures before, but like just about any Western Australian craft brewery, You've You've done a <laughs> stint there. But I would have thought that the packaging line might be a bit of a demotion for you
0: (laughs) oh it's um it's quite funny because it is one of. it's a little humbling to be uh in the junior spot down at uh down on the pack line yeah i'm in the what they call the box spot which is sort of where the cartons are formed up and the six packs go in which they they put the the junior person into so (laughs) they've they've got me in that um which is a bit humbling because i was when i was standing there the other day i thought Last time I did a shift here was twelve years ago, and I was running the site. And now
1: I'm now I'm in the junior spot, so uh,
0: I've got full circle. <laughs>
1: yeah, a little bit of humility, you know. So we we're, we're all learning well, something in the current situation. And you got it, don't you? You're
0: like you, when you, you when you think that, and then you think, oh, hang on, I've I've got a job, and I'm I'm lucky to have one in the current climate. So um, yeah, you've got you've got to definitely be uh, grateful for that kind of thing at the moment.
1: Now, has it changed much since uh, you were there twelve years ago? There's been a huge expansion, but um, although, although it probably hasn't expanded too much, it's been Geelong that's had most of the expansion.
0: Yeah, the, yeah so the, the 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 little creatures Frio packaging line is um, pretty pretty much the same, but obviously the 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 level of expertise has gone through there since since I was there. There's lots of really interesting. Changes in terms of the way they're controlling their quality and and um, their system. So it's kind of on the one hand, I'm kind of reminiscing a little bit, like, oh, that's still the same, and I remember that thing. <laughs> um, but then on the other hand, I'm like, it's quite interesting seeing how they've improved the place. So,
1: have you found yourself um, saying to any of the the your, your younger colleagues on the packaging line, "Oh, back in my day"?
0: Oh, I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to avoid doing that because that, <laughs> that 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 does get annoying when people do it too much, is not it? So I, I sort of was biting my tongue a bit because I was like, well, back in my day, we did it like this. And I was like, oh, no, no, keep, keep your mouth shut. You know, they don't want to hear too much of that. What I have been doing, though, is I t- I've been, like, uh, taking photos of things and then, like, messaging people that I used to work with, like, oh, that thing's still here. Or remember when that thing broke down or whatever. So uh, a, bit of, a bit of nostalgia with some other people.
1: But just, just to have a little bit of context over over your career, how old are you? Uh, Just turned 40. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, well, I was going to say, like, you, because you you certainly have still a young look about you. So, for someone who's 50, um, (laughs) you you certainly do. But it it also gives us a little bit of context because I do like to talk about, for me, I started writing about beer in the late 90s um, and had been sort of really passionate about beer, really interested in beer, um, you know, through the the, the mid to late 90s. And I've really noticed I, I have a bit of a watershed around. 2000 because that was the year that Little Creatures launched and it was probably the first big play in craft beer from an independent as it was then um, outside of James Squire but it was the one that you know for a long time more brewers were inspired by their first to to, to get into brewing by their first trial of uh, Little Creatures Um, it's been the proving ground for so many and training ground for so many brewers but then it's also brought so many people to the craft beer movement and I think you know when you look at in 2000 when you were 18 and drinking legally that person is now going to be 38 so and I've I've got this theory that the further you are older than you know 38 now the more likely you are to be about craft beer and sometimes your perception is shaped by where you, you you fall in that continuum from uh, two thousand.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Are you kind of you see the demographics changing a bit as as people are aging and who's into what and yeah, I guess that sort of that demographic, that age demographic, where when, where I sit. Um, yeah, I, I I guess when I got into it, you you I don't think you realised there wasn't many people really into it. Um, and now it's it's. It's so common, isn't it, now to have lots of people into craft beer and you catch up with people or friends that you haven't seen for a few years and last time you saw them, they were, you know, maybe Lashes was as adventurous as they were getting and now they're full bottle on, on all sorts of things you didn't think they would be. Um, like I I bumped into a guy at a, at a birthday party about a year ago and I hadn't seen him for maybe five or six years and um, he came up to me and he was off the deep end passionate like he was just heavily into home brewing knew like brewers names he knew that it was joel brewing at in innate brewery or do you know what i mean he was referencing things yep. i was like yep. that is just you've gone full passionate knowledge um and last time i saw you you kind of were barely drinking a, a gateway beer so um it's it's so interesting how it's changing isn't it and so many people are now into it um
1: and people that are in the, who are under thirty are what I call you know craft beer natives um, because you know they've grown up when there's always been craft beer. Whereas people, you know, my mates who are very similar to what you've just described, we were drinking legally before Four X Gold was first brewed, which was ninety two. And I think we all turned eighteen in uh, nineteen eighty eight. Um, so you know we had four years of drinking Four X heavy before Four X Gold even came about. So it was for them, a thing. right. Yeah, that's how old I am, anyway. So, uh, how did you first get into to beer? Was it something that when you're at school you thought, you know, I, I want to be a brewer, or what was your what was your epiphany into the world of beer? I guess uh, growing up,
0: my dad always home brewed, so I, you know, as a kid would help him bottle the, you know, put the caps on and things like that. So oh, I
1: or the cooper's kit, just cooper's kits.
0: Yep. He's um my dad's uh, Scottish. Uh, he's he's a, a tight ass uh, and. <laughs> he would homebrew cooper's kits and shandy them <laughs> it, was as, it was as sophisticated as it got but i you know like I, I was you know i helped him put the caps on and i just thought it was sort of fun and then i guess i went to uni and then i got into home brewing and i just went off the deep end really quickly so that by the time I, and i was doing an arts degree which gets you nowhere um but it's a lot of fun oh, this is um, where i started yeah, <laughs> and I guess by the end of the degree, I just knew that that, that brewing—if I could make a living in brewing—that would be pretty cool. And at that point, I guess I, Nail Ale was John Stallwood was was started was brewing in the basement of Bobby Dazzler's. Like twenty years and ago, celebrating
1: out, twenty years. Yeah, uh, this year, 20 yeah, years, yeah.
0: And so I would cut out articles on, on 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 that kind of thing. I knew that it existed, and I knew there was a course at Ballarat that I could go and do. And things like that. And then I was researching how to get in, and I went and did some backpacking in Europe. And I went to as many breweries as humanly possible. Well, I did about six months of backpacking in Europe, so UK and Belgium and Germany, and um, you know, sort of obsessively collected beer coasters and things like that, <laughs> and wrote notes about you know this tastes like this and that. And and then by the time I came back to Perth, the the course at um, Edith Cowan University had, had started up so I went and did the post-grad in brewing there and um, just fell in with people you know people on that course who are some of them are still still around the scene and and whatever and uh, did my IBD it was called the no, oh, it's the diploma now. Mm-hmm. I can't know what they call it then—the the
1: associate, something or other. Um, did the diploma things for IBD? You—you you would have been working already when you did the IBD diploma?
0: No, i, I did them concurrently with the—with oh, really? the. With the um, yeah, I just um, the guy who was my lecturer. His name's Dio Lule, and Dio—he um, was working at the Sail and Anchor at the time, and I just hung out with him a lot as well because I just wanted to get in and we, we got along really well and he said, Oh while well, you're doing your Edith Cowan studies, you should do your IBD as well. So I just uh knocked off the first two of those diplomas while I was studying. And then uh what did I do after that? I um I don't know. I, I did, there's a little brewery called Ironbark here in near the Swan Valley. I, I know it, some yeah. casual work with them.
1: Was Ironbark the um no so the so own up in the swan valley yes no no sorry, Yes, was... it,
0: yeah sort of just on the edge of the swan valley i think it's it's still there um did a little casual work for them and and because was down at the sale and anchor i just sort of hung out down there with those guys and did some work experience with them then it must have been 2003 or something that, that was little Creek. i got my first job at little creatures on the bottling packaging beer line. <laughs> <laughs> on the little on the little old packaging line um that was very manual and and then um, went from there. So that was sort of, that was the intro.
1: And what was it about brewing? You know, obviously, there was that engagement with, you, with, with your dad, which is something that is always very, very special. Um, but was there something about the, the, the process itself that fired your imagination?
0: The thing that I still love about it is it's science, but it blends beautifully with art um there's there's a certain art to making a great beer the tradition and history I love history so that, that when I was studying an arts degree I was studying history that was my major so I love history and tradition and got really captured by the european traditions of of brewing
1: I'll have to sit you and Sean Sherlock down on in front of a mic one day because he runs, <laughs> he's got a phd in history if, if, oh my if god not. really yeah, yeah um
0: and then didn't get a job at the end of it probably no, that was the thing yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah so i just, i love all that and then obviously that new wave of craft coming out of america so it's new and exciting but you know if you look at all the great breweries that come out of the states they all got their inspiration from traditional breweries across europe so you can't help but just love all that kind of melding there um and it's hands-on as well you know um and my current job is back to being hands-on which i'm really enjoying that sort of blend back to sort of um getting to be more um you know tactile with the process um which is great so i guess those things really fired me up um and then you know like I did, speaking of like little creatures and and when it started in 2000 i remember going in the first week they were open because i was really uh, i was obsessed at that point i was wanting to i think i I think I'd start? No, I hadn't started the ECU course at that point, but I knew that's that's what I was going to do, and so I went in the first week that they were open, and uh, I talked to Miles Hull, who um, was the original venue manager, and he's gone on to do lots and lots of things in the in the beer world, um, and you know, and, and he sort of told me about what they were doing in there, and so that really fired me up. Um, I remember going to Ferrell the day Ferrell opened. Brendan opened the doors, and 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 this guy Dio Lule, who was my lecturer, Dio and and Brendan had worked together at DME Australia. So Dio was like, we got to go up and 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 check out Ferrell. So the day Brendan opened was the day I met him and went in and and got to have a look around. And I think just those initial interactions in the industry and how friendly it was as well really fired me up.
1: What was your first impression of little creatures when you walked in? Because I, I, I'll, I'll tell you mine after you tell me yours. First impression. <laughs> um,
0: so I guess my perception of brewing at that point, or, and, and breweries, was very sort of sail and anchor, like a like a classic pub with a with a brewery in the corner, doing a broad range of of things. You know, there's a dark beer, there's a there's a lager, there's a you know sort of a nice uh, bit of everything. That was sort of my impression at the time. So walking into Little Creatures, it just blew my mind. (laughs) Like I didn't really know how to take it all in. It was humongous. Um, The the bar's cavernous with the big tanks. And I remember asking dumb questions of Miles like, why don't you do a stout? Or (laughs) I didn't really understand why they were sort of focused on on three beers only. I, I didn't really get it. So I remember asking silly questions about where's where's your stout, where's your where's your other <laughs> things, and the pale ale yeah it just seemed fruity and uh, I, I, I really liked it, but I didn't really um, I didn't really get it, you know, like uh, but again, it just sort of yeah fired me up to to what else is out there in terms of the flavors that you could have in beer.
1: It, it's interesting you say that because I. I d- I don't think I first got to Little Creatures in Fremantle till about two thousand and four. And so I'd had I'd had the beer here for a while. Um and probably in, in those days it hadn't travelled, you know, perfectly. But walking into the brew pub in that big old sale factory and it, like you, it blew my mind. It was unlike anything else that I'd experienced because it everywhere else was a fairly traditional place. And this was it was just such a fun and funky and engaging venue where the service was just top-notch despite the relaxed vibe. And I've still got photos of, of that trip, where you, you know, sitting out the front and they, they had a squeeze bottle of um, sunscreen out the front um, and olive trees and bocce out the back and, you know, just, just – a lot of stuff that Phil and the team had obviously brought back from Portland and some of those, you know, they'd been inspired by what they'd seen in, in, in the U S but we'd seen nothing like it here. But I, I can see that DNA in almost every brew pub that's opened up since then, you know, that, that relaxed, you know, casual vibe. Yeah.
0: It goes so well though, doesn't it? And I remember the, you know, the story of the, of, of Howard and, and Nick and you know the, the the early, they they went on a tour of the of the states and, you know, obviously Phil Sexton had worked at Bridgeport, um, but then I think all of them went on a bit of a road trip, you know, including sort of Northern California up to Oregon and I think they went over to Colorado. I think New Belgium was in there and stuff like that. So that must have been inspiring, you know, late late nineties um, to to be over there doing that at that time. That's been pretty pretty incredible to see that
1: Absolutely. and then you're
0: bringing a lot of that dna over over to australia and then yeah the way it's just sort of the, the second wave i guess we're calling it right the second wave of, uh, of of craft brewing in australia how it's just gone crazy
1: yeah but it's also interesting how many people were inspired by pale ales you know that, that american style pale ale they're almost considered passe these days um when they were so inspirational for for what we call the modern craft brewing industry
0: yeah look i guess and everybody you know like a like this sort of hoppy american style pale ale is is now everywhere everybody's doing one it's almost like you have to have one in your portfolio or, almost um but yeah man they're, they're just you know it's if you think about it they're sessionable but flavorsome i mean you know that's that's the, that's a great crossroad to have isn't it mm. yeah you got some flavour, but it's you can have a couple, and so it just no wonder it works so well. And then, like I'm, I um, I've been privileged enough to go and select the hops for Creatures in, in Yakima. Uh, I got to do it three three years in a row, which was something I'll never forget. But when you get to go and do that, you you know, like the way we did it when I went was because we had that relationship with with Bridgeport, and they, and they're they're part of the Gambrinus group. We'd fly into Portland and then hang out with them at Bridgeport, and then drive out to Yakima, and you'd visit a couple of breweries on the way out, like at Hood River, and and then out at Yakima, there's a really kick-ass one called Bailbreaker. Yep. It yep. just on it, you going and doing that is like this religious experience. It just fires you back up. You you are, you came back so fired up that you were there. You tasting all these fresh pale ales with all those amazing hops out of Yakima and yeah, just um, to, it's almost like a, you know, it's it's like a, going to Europe and getting to go to uh, Burton upon Trent to go to the home of English pale or something like that. It's like a it's like a little it's a brewer's pilgrimage now. It's quite amazing to do.
1: What you've just said resonates with me because again, my, my first uh, experience of to, to seeing the hop harvest was down in Bushy Park, and it just completely changes your. Perception of beer, like, you, even though instinctively you know that beer is made from grain and hops and water, and it's it's as much art as science. To actually see those hops being harvested is it, it completely transforms your view. And until then, you'd seen the big house breweries you know, on on a brewery tour when they're completely closed in and you can't really see the process.
0: Hmm. I, I, I get. It's one of those things that maybe beer has suffered from in a way we we've moved away from that real kind of intimate relationship with the agricultural products you know what I mean whereas wine Mm. still very much has that you know it's the terroir it's the you know we're growing the grapes in this specific area and and that real tie-in um, I guess beer's lost it. You, you can, it becomes a bit of a, the ingredients become a bit of a commodity and they're shipped all around the world. And so you do kind of lose that a little bit, the way beer's been industrialised. But then it's really interesting to see everybody sort of moving back towards that. You know, you go you go to Yakima, there's all these brewers coming in for hop harvest. They're selecting their hops. You know, I really, I, I do really like to see that. And um, uh, I, I just actually just made a beer for Bevy, like what was that in late Feb, and it was an all WA ingredient beer. So, I there's you know some there's um Preston Valley hops, which um uh, AD used to work with me at Creatures, so um, I know him pretty well. So, he's growing some hops uh, about an hour and a half down from here, and then you know, I got local malt. And I, I tracked down um a guy who's got a little market garden in East Perth and he's growing sugar cane, so we cut his sugar cane and we I got the chefs to like chop it up and boil it down so we could use some sugar cane and we uh, got some local honey and the, the chefs candied the honey for me so I could darken the colour and get a little because we don't make specialty malts over here so I was kind of wondering how we could darken the beer a little bit so the chefs candied the, the honey for me um, and then we used like finger limes and lemon myrtle from, from down south so I tried to kind of create this Completely wa ingredient beer, which was loads of fun, and loads of fun. Then chatting with each of those growers, and do you know what I mean? Like that, oh, nice getting getting back to the understanding when things harvest and and all that kind of stuff. So it's sort of a nice, re, you know, reverting back to being a little bit more intimately tied in with the agricultural products that you're using.
1: And there's a whole can of worms that we we'll, that we might sort of. Uh come back to that a little bit later but it's because it because it is fascinating you you talked about the difference between beer and wine and in in some ways beer has suffered from the scale but you know it took me a long time to come to an understanding of why I think that the the two are different and you know wine has always been made where the grapes are grown because you can't transport a grape whereas beer is something and and you only make wine once a year and it's designed to be made and stored Whereas beer was something made with ingredients that could travel, and so, and because it wasn't something that did last for you know well um, for a long time, you sent the ingredients close to the market where you're going to make it. But that makes that that completely changes your relationship with it. It, it it's viewed as being more um, industrial because that's in a lot of ways what it is. It's it's much more of a commodity. You can make the same beer, you know, every day of the week. Whereas you can only make mm. the wine once and every batch of wine will be that little bit different
0: Mm. yeah it's interesting isn't
1: it yeah and and Mm. it it does change our perceptions for it but talk to me when when you first got into brewing and you knew that there was a little bit of art and a little bit of science but you would have been brewing you know with a a pretty clear-cut four ingredients maybe five if you include um, adjunct sugars but suddenly Mm. you're throwing all of these other things in you know finger limes and stuff like that was that something that you expected to do?
0: I guess when I first started brewing at, at Creatures, we were only making 3 beers over and over again. We were doing pale ale, rogers, and the pilsner. And I think it was the size of brewery and the systems that they had in place. You just wanted to learn. You wanted to learn off of these people that were really good at their job, how to be a really good brewer. So I think that that fascination with the process and the science kept me occupied and uh, enthralled for quite a while there because when I started there, I mean, it was a 50 hectolitre system. The bottling line was 3,000 bottles an hour. It, You know, um, I probably didn't even really appreciate it, but that that was a fair scale of place that they had sort of launched with and you had really, really knowledgeable people that were showing you the ropes so, I, I think the repetitive pale ale over and over and over again didn't really wear thin on me for, for a long time. Um, it, it was a great tasting beer and it was a fascinating process. That, that you, know, we, it, it, you know, the brewery, what I really, one of the things I really um, admire about Little Creatures, and, and, and there are other breweries in the world that I think are the same, they started with a clear cut philosophy of what they were doing from the start. The brewery was designed to make this pale ale, you know, with the whole hop cones and the quarantine permits mm. that we had to get them from America and the bottle conditioning step and blah, blah, blah. So um, I think, yeah, just the process of that kept me really fascinated for quite some time. And also I think you got to – it's almost like you got to learn to crawl before you walk kind of thing. You should – I don't think you should be coming in all guns blazing trying to think that you can make 100 amazing beers. You should learn your your craft really, really well – and then uh, step out from there, if that makes sense.
1: It does. So how, how long did you stay at Creatures? Uh, well, I've done two stints. Uh,
0: I um, That first stint I did six years, um, and in that period of time, we kind of went from um, that the original sort of, yeah, size of brewery, and then each year there was sort of new tank upgrades, and we – um, put in bigger the bigger tanks, 200 hectoliter tanks, and then we uh, put in this bottling line at Jones Street that I'm now back on. Um, so I went down there and commissioned that, and then I ran that for a couple of years, and then we built a bigger brewery, and the original 50 hectare brewery went over to start White Rabbit, um, and we put in this 100 hectoliter Steiner brew house, which is beautiful, big Rolls Royce thing, um, and and then I left for a few years and went overseas and um, worked in a a brewery in the UK Um, and then I came back. uh, Well, when I was there, it was called Wells and Youngs. It keeps changing its name, (laughs) but um, it was Charlie Wells um, and then Youngs of London merged with them and they were Wells and Youngs. Um, And I think now they're, I don't know what they are now. They're Wells and they're owned by Wolverhampton Dudley or some, uh, Marston, (laughs) something like that. I think everybody, all the big guys are just, you know, sort of, Taking each other over in the UK or whatever,
1: so it, it's hard to keep. Um, t- to, I, I just confine myself to here as much as I can and try to stay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and
0: then I look, and then I came back to creatures, and I think I did another six with them. Maybe it was, and then I've moved to this Bevy project for the last couple of years.
1: So we'll come to Bevy in a sec. But what did you learn when you were working in some of the? You know, were, were they fairly traditional English breweries, or were they? Sort um, of-
0: so, but the one I was at was. Um, how would you describe it? It's a large, you know, sort of regional. It was family owned at the at the time, and they did a little bit of everything, which was quite fascinating. So they did traditional car scales, which was the key reason I wanted to go to the UK was to learn how to make car scale. I, I don't know why, I just love it. Um, so that it's was my history sort of coming through. Aim, yeah, the, the, the history buff coming in. Just if I was going to the UK, I wanted to learn how to make cask ale. So that was my sort of thing for when I was hunting for a job over there. And it was your um, Scottish
1: heritage that obviously gave you the, uh, the, the the work entry entry at that stage.
0: Yeah, it was easy to get a UK passport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and yeah, so yeah, they did they did traditional cask. Ales, Young's ones and 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 Wells ones. They both have big pub chains that they were feeding with the cask ales. Um, so Young's bitter and London, what's it called? No, London Pride. No, what's that one?
1: That it food? was Fuller's London Pride. That. So London
0: something. Anyway, Bombardier was one of the okay Wells ones. Um, and then so they did those, and there was this big cask plant, um, you know, like a big. Uh, line production line for that and then they did they had a can line and bottling line and they did uh kieran ichiban under contract and they did red stripe oh wow Um, they did like you know those high alcohol lagers that you're too proud of making uh (laughs) one was called super super crest and yeah so they did a whole bunch of of things there to sort of survive
1: and you came back and uh, worked at creatures and so yeah. you, you went from creatures I, I, to, I,
0: well, to... I, I, yeah well i did, i came back to it was funny because uh we uh, my wife and i were we sort of spent about six months backpacking back towards uh, australia and i got we were in india and there was a job going at the swan brewery and I thought, oh, I'll apply for that because you know it'll take them a you know interviewing process and stuff take quite a while. That that might time out quite nicely. Give me a couple more months traveling and maybe I can get into the Swan Brewery. And um, Sean Simons, who was the brewing manager there at the time, and now he's the head brewer down at White Lakes, White Lakes here yeah. In, here in Perth. Um, Sean was the brewing manager, and and um, we ended up you know like chatting on the phone. I was I was in India, and you know we we sort of like kept skyping each other or whatever, and. And then he said, oh, "Okay, this is getting serious. I'll um, I, we should, you know, we should meet face to face. I'll fly. <laughs> I'll fly to, um, you name the capital city, the big city near you, and I'll I'll get there. You know, like." And I was like, well, this, is, "This is getting a bit serious." Um, and in the meanwhile, I'd been talking to Russ, who's the head role down at Little Creatures, about, "Can you be a referee for me on my on my resume because I'm going for this job with Sean?" And Russ was like, "Oh, you 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 know, happy to be on your resume, but we've got a, we happen to have a job." opened it back up here with us. Do you just want to come back and, you know, work work with us? So I sort of hummed and hard about that. I was like, yeah, I'm going to just come back to Creatures because um, there was a lot happening there. and So I uh, negotiated a slightly longer period of time so we could, you know, keep backpacking for a little bit longer. And then, then I came
1: back. You've always been based in WA. So you went from Little Creatures to Establish Bevy?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, um, so Bevy's in a pub a really large pub next to the new uh, Optus optus so the new stadium for perth
1: if you wanted to so build a just, pub
0: it's pretty much where you'd want to build a pub yeah look it's an amazing sort of spot so it's it's government owned land that sort of is right next to the river and it used to be sort of a, a golf course that was next to crown casino kind of area um so the government's just sort of redeveloped the whole area. So a huge this huge sixty thousand people stadium and then next to it was sort of the what was the golf club kind of rooms or whatever and some of that's just sort of been converted into this pub that's licensed for about two and a half thousand people, I think it is currently. So And it must
1: get pretty packed there on game days.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, game, game days are, are obviously really big for them. And that's
1: the sort of the big,
0: the big turnover days. Um, and then I guess, it, it, I think before it opened, I, a lot of people were probably questioning, okay, well, game days are going to be big, but how are you going to go on all those other days? Um, and I think it's going really well outside of game days. Um, the view from their place is, is lovely because you know you're looking over at the river and it's sort of got manicured gardens all around it and things like that. So um, it's a lovely spot. So even yeah, outside of game day, is still doing really well for them.
1: Having brewed at Little Creatures, where I, I guess you've got your core beers um, that are that are there, slightly larger than uh, selection that when you first started but then they've got a fairly experimental program. Um, you know, they're brewing some really interesting beers, some of which uh, get put out and packaged. What are the challenges when you're brewing on a smaller system in a big capacity venue next to a football stadium in terms of creating beers that will sell there, but then hopefully we'll have one or two break out for, for a broader market?
0: I think uh, I think like any brand or or sort of portfolio you've got to kind of think about what the whole the whole portfolio is going to look like because you're right like your opportunity is uh, in a position like um, we've got with bevy at the canfield pub you've got lots of people coming on game days and they're not craft beer drinkers so can you get some easy drinking gateway ones in there to ease them into it to give Craft beer, a bit of exposure, because it's a, I think it's a great opportunity for that kind of thing. You've got lots of people coming in from areas that aren't really exposed to craft beer, or it might not be their cup of tea. So I think uh, to expose them to something that's going to be reasonably approachable is a smart move. So, uh, but then also have some interesting stuff going on uh, for those people that want to try something a little bit more interesting or adventurous so the way we've done it for bevy is we've got i guess maybe what we might call the the flagship beer which is a lager but it, the twist is it's kind of a, an amber lager so it's pretty easy drinking but it's kind of 40 ebc so it's um you know it's a bit deeper in color um
1: so, Rogers so is sure not
0: quite to that
1: yeah, it'd be, it'd be,
0: it'd be not, it'd be a shade off of Roger's. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But um, a lager,
1: not an ale, so it'll be a little bit crisper.
0: Yeah, but a lager, yeah, low low BUs, um, and I get, look, the inspiration for that one was a beer called Shine a Bock out of Texas. The kind of backstory on that one is when I got to go and select the hops in Yakima with the guys from Bridgeport, they're part of the Gambrinus Group, and uh, the guys who make Shiner uh, Bock, they're in the Gambrinus group as well. So I got to hang out with Jimmy, the brewmaster, for, for a few years there and kind of get to know him and taste and Shiner Bock. And, and so that was kind of the the, the
1: inspiration beer, that one. And, and, and what's your version called? Bevy First Lager. Bevy First Lager. Oh, so mm. uh, you didn't have to spend too long workshopping that name if it was the first beer that you Was it the first beer you made? <laughs>
0: I don't know. Oh look, man, it's Lion. There's lots of workshops. For, for like, yeah. <laughs> I don't I, I, yeah. Sorry, we've got a workshop and those kind of things. There's probably a PowerPoint presentation too on that one. <laughs> well, no, it,
1: it, it, it's interesting that because you know, Lion has, you know, obviously established, and we were speaking to a couple of the to the, the different breweries, but. You, you've got the Byron Bay Brewery and we I don't think we've ever spoken to, to Alistair um, on the podcast, but then you've also got Furphy that has been... You on, should, he's, he's interesting. Yeah, he, he's an interesting guy, but the, the thing that I've noticed is that whilst the strategy seems to be create a, a strong local brand and then have a beer, the beers that are coming out, you know, the Yamundi Lager is a different twist on what your first lager is doing and it's different on what they've done down in Byron Bay. So there does still seem to be... Some experimenting going on and trying to find something that's relevant to a local market. Is 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 that?
0: Yeah, and then that's a fair
1: enough observation because
0: I think you know the reality is if you said, "Oh, hey guys, we know what sells well: a lager and a pale ale." We all know it, right? Like Hmm. (laughs) those two things are going to sell well. But you've got like, why do the same thing as everybody else? You got to then go right. What can we do that might be um, a lager? but it's going to have its own twist and its own, uh, characters to it. So, um, cause there's no point in, in everybody just doing the same cookie cutter thing again and again. Right. So, mm. um, you gotta, for instance, like when we started Bevy, we tried a twist on a, on a pale ale. Um, and we tried to do, we looked at some old recipes from, you know, like back in the colonial kind of days, a bit historical. And we, did some things where we sort of because back in the day you would have had direct kiln malt so it might have had a little brown or smoky character we, we tried to like build that into this beer um and I think uh that was going to be our twist on pale ale a bit but I think possibly we were trying to be too clever just didn't really I don't know it just didn't resonate we didn't nail that one so we um we just got rid of that but um I think it's fun if that's you like what's your challenge don't just cookie cutter off of what somebody else has done, what's going to be your twist on on something. So um, that's half the fun and the challenge.
1: Yeah. And have you had any beers that have broken out off tap and you know, gone into package for wider distribution?
0: Uh, no, not yet. So the only thing we've done so far um, – so the guys that own the Canfield, the pub that we're in, they own two other pubs in Perth. So we've gone on tap into those – Um, And the the lager has gone to a few other pubs and now the next challenge will be within the next year, how will we package? So we're going to try and work that out. We can't expand the brewery any bigger than what it is uh, and there's no space for packaging in there. So we're just going to try, you know, like what are our options? Um, We're going to have to try and work that out. Uh, Maybe some mobile canning or something like that. That'll be one of the next steps.
1: Yeah, but if if you did know and that was a bit of a breakout, would you have the capacity down at Creatures? Because I, I guess that's the advantage of being in the network is that, you know, if you do have something um you know, we've Can already bumped it up. Yeah, or, or already seen yeah. the Monday lager sort of expand out of the U Brewery um for fur package.
0: Yeah. So we've got um the lager is occasionally bumping up to Little Creatures Frio, um, because we can't keep up with it. Uh the hard part is you go from like a 12 hectolitre brewery to a 100 hectolitre brewery that's a that's a hell of a bump up um so you gotta you know like how are we gonna you use that volume you know it's it's you go from yeah 12 hex or you know i got double tanks so i can i can make 24 hex <laughs> of a batch and then the guys down there are making 100 hex so it's, it's a big bump up. So, yeah, then maybe work out can we, can we package or something as well mm-hmm. would be really good to sort of use that volume and then get out to a new market as well.
1: So have you been using the time that we've been uh, sort of in lockdown, uh, apart from packaging down at Creatures, <laughs> have you been planning what your uh, next couple of beers are going to be at Bevy?
0: Yeah, I, I, it, was, it was so heartbreaking with, I mean, for many, many reasons for, with what's going on. But specifically being a, a brewer in a, in a, in a keg-only brewery is, is not being able to move any of your product. And I had some, like I was having a lot of fun. I, was, I thought I was on a little little streak there. Um, we just did this. Um, we literally, the week, it must have been, yeah, one week before I think all the pubs had to shut down, we did a, 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 a Bevy with Friends little festival at the Canfield. And that was loads of fun. We, we had uh, little creatures came down. We had the guys from Bright Tank. Blaster, and they're both kind of like a ten-minute walk in either direction from 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 where we are. Uh, we had the guys from Cheeky Monkey and Nowhere Man, so uh, and and a couple of distilleries as well. We had this little mini festival going on, and we made this um, collaboration brew, which was sort of a I called it a a hoppy saison with botanicals, and so that one was a bit of fun, but. We didn't get to sell it all before we shut, so we'll see how they go. Looking see. at other options, we might um, see what we can do with it, distill it or something. I've got, um, I've got a stout ageing in Shiraz barrels, so Lewin Estate Shiraz barrels, so that's um, sitting uh, in the storeroom at the moment. So, and that'll be good for when we come out the other side of this. What else have we got planning? We've got. Um, got a fun one and it was um so we've got a there's a lion uh one of the lion sales guys tony vitelli he's a bit of a legend in the in the Perth scene and he's a good italian frio man and he grows all his own citrus in his front garden and so he's just harvested all his citrus all his limes and and we're gonna i'm gonna get them in the deep freeze but when we come out the other side of this, we have already planned this um sort of a hoppy citrus wheat ale thing that we're going to do um, with all these lines. Um, it's probably all we've planned a double IPA. I don't know what it is yet, but no. I haven't really designed it yet. But a <laughs> double IPA is on the cards. That's <laughs> very
1: different from uh, from what you're outlining. is the sort of thing that uh, you know to, to get people who may not necessarily be into beer.
0: Well, yeah. So what we've sort of what we've tinkered with is we've got the we've got the Amber Lager as sort of the the flagship. We've got a I would call it a New World Pale Ale that's at mid strength, so three point five percent. It's the only mid strength that the Camfield have on, and so obviously with that game day tie in, a lot of people so the stadium is mid strength only when you're inside the stadium. So a lot of people will sit on mid-strengths all, all day kind of thing if they're, if they're um, going to watch the football or the cricket or whatever. So I've got one called Signet, which is our hoppy mid-strength. Um, and then I've got an XPA, a 5% XPA. It's pretty citrus-leaning. Uh, there's citrus in there and Chinook, and so it's kind of a citrus-leaning XPA. And then we're going to do one interesting new seasonal or whatever you want to call it per month. So that's what all these other ones are going to be. Sort of one a month, we're going to turn over a, a new, a new and interesting thing. So that's the that's the, the fun play area.
1: Well, it sounds like I was very disappointed that the uh, the current situation meant that the IBD was cancelled because I'd had a shopping list of things that I wanted to experience, and getting to the uh, to, to Bevy was one of them. So hopefully they will resurrect that. Uh, I think they've already rescheduled it for towards the end of the year. So hopefully I'll get the chance to, they, to get over for that one.
0: Yeah, I think they've already reset dates, haven't they? Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately, like
0: so many things, yeah, they're all, all cancelled or a lot of things are just sort of postponed, but we're not sure when it's going to be. Um, we've had to postpone WA Beer Week and we were going to be doing another WABA uh, conference uh, again. It was going to be mid-June and now we just have to maybe – Wait and see a bit. It'd be nice to do it this year, maybe November, but I guess, yeah, maybe just wait and see a little bit on those kind of things.
1: Oh Well, uh, hopefully we'll get to continue this uh, conversation when I I get over there for one of those things. But Andy Skate, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a fascinating chat about so many uh, different things, which is what makes these conversations fun. It's a load of fun, isn't it? Yeah. Mate, all, all the very best getting through and, and surviving your uh, return stint to the packaging line and uh, looking forward to having uh, a <laughs> beer with you uh, li- literally on the other side, uh, both on the other side of the continent and on the other side of uh, the, the current situation. <laughs>
0: nice one. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That, that was fun.
1: And that was Andy Skade. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Crime Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryo Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. Your premium brewing partner and proud sponsors of Beer is a Conversation. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brewers News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at bruisenews.com.au.